Hello everyone and thanks for joining us on another exciting episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. And my guest today is none other than Lizzie Banks. And what can I tell you about Lizzie? Well, where do I start to be honest with you? It was an absolutely cracking chat. Lizzie was a medical student in Sheffield and was quite close to qualifying when she made the decision to take a path less traveled and become a pro cyclist. And we talk all about how she made that decision. Now her pro career was developing very nicely and she won two stages of the women's Giro, but she then suffered some very severe concussion. And we discuss how she recovered from that and how she now helps others suffering from concussion too. We also talk about how a recent COVID infection prevented her from racing the Tour de France femme avec Zwift and how her rotten luck continues and the complications from that infection are still keeping her off the bike. We also take a moment to look at how far women's cycling has come even since Lizzie turned pro back in 2018. But how did she manage to get a world beating, yes, a world beating 18 out of five rights in the hometown quiz? You'll have to stay tuned to find out because this is the Lizzie Banks episode. Podcast. We've just had this text message sent to our WhatsApp burner phone from Chris, and I'm reading it now for the very first time. Uh, I never thought about sending a comment after listening to a podcast before, but I felt the recent mental health podcast was outstanding and deserved a thank you for putting it together. It's such an important topic that was talked about so openly, which will hopefully help many who suffer similarly. Well done, Matt, Lee, and Peter. Keep up the good work on the other podcast too, which are always a good listen. Chris. Oh, that Chris, thank you very much for getting in contact, mate. Um, we've had a really nice reaction on social media as well, and it's always lovely um, when people take the time to to react. And um, yeah, thanks very much indeed. That means a lot to us. Um, and if you haven't had a listen to the podcast that Chris was referring to, it's actually episode 92 and it's up now. So please do give, give it a listen. Um, it was one of the most, it was a, a challenging podcast to make, uh, but Lee and Pete, well, were very, very open and honest and came across extremely well, uh, telling their very different stories in their own unique way. So it was a yeah, a powerful chat, and I do urge you to listen to it. And of course, if you do want to get in touch with the podcast, um, please do. We always encourage that. It's great to hear what you've got to say. Our email address is as follows. It's podcast at sigmasports.com, or you can leave a message or a voice note on our WhatsApp on our WhatsApp number, our WhatsApp number on our burner phone, which is this plus four four seven 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 eight three two three two six eight. Now, when Lizzie Banks started racing professionally, she could barely earn enough money to support herself. Such was the way of women cycling as recently as 2018. Now, she's enjoyed seeing the landscape change dramatically in that short period and now rides for Team EF Education Tibco SVB. However, it hasn't been plain sailing and recent injuries and illness have taken a very hard toll. She's still recovering from a COVID complication called pericarditis, which affects the lining of her heart, and she's not allowed to ride her bike. But Lizzie is an incredibly sharp and intelligent professional who has kept busy by sharing her knowledge and expertise on the Cycling Podcast Service course, as well as her media work commentary with GCN Eurosport. But what message does she have for the drivers of Switzerland? Let's find out. Lizzie, first and foremost, before I thank you for coming on the pod, uh, which I will do in a moment or so's time, um, have you got your biscuits? Well, I actually, I've actually run out of biscuits. We've got, it's a bit of a disaster. I'm living in France and I can't really get 
good biscuits anymore. I'm sorry to all the French people out there, but you know, I just can't get the biscuits I want, you know, like Jaffa cakes. Are they even a biscuit? I'm not sure. Anyway, so I've got a substitute. I've got Haribo Pies Peak. But they're they're very nice. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you get, sorry, you're gonna uh, you're gonna have to spell that. That just sounded like a, you, you you're making a strange noise. Yeah, P A I W L E S peak. But the the L's are like the Haribo. You know, they're drawn like the Haribo because these are the long the long fizzy pencils, but the big ah. thick fizzy pencils. Oh, right. So you, you've got some fizzy pencils as a replacement for biscuits. Um, I tell you what, if I was um, I don't know, if I was part of the biscuit council, you'd probably be expelled. I'm, bit, I'm going to be really no, honest with you. No, but the reason is, Matt, is because I can't get hold of good biscuits. But then they're, they're nowhere near a biscuit. It's no, a I sweet. Know. It's I a know. confection. It's, I'm not saying it's a biscuit. I'm saying it's a replacement. I'm saying it's a replacement for a biscuit. So crumbs. Uh, but uh, having, crumbs are very good. Sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no crumbs here because I don't have any no, biscuits. No, it's a crumbless. Just little bits of dusted sugar dusting, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, all, all over all the that, floor. All that fizzy stuff. Uh, I tell you what, we're. Two minutes, 17 into the pod. Welcome, Lizzie Banks, to the podcast. Thank, how, how the devil are you? I'm, uh, I'm okay. Um, yeah, happy to be here. I'm okay. I've been better. Um, yeah. But delighted to be on the show. Um, so thanks for having me. No, no problem at all. And yeah, I, I know that you're not, you, you've been better. And we'll talk about that in a few moments time. Um, so yeah. That's that's going to be. I think it's going to form quite a bit of our of our conversation. But there's also some some interesting stuff, um, or some intriguing stuff, should I say? I've just, I've just been listening to your service course podcast whilst I was on Zwift. Oh, um, thanks very much for wrapping my wrapping my other podcast, Matt. Oh no, well, I mean it's a po- <laughs> it's a it's a po- we should um, if if there was some sort of device, maybe Niall could be looking up one now where where two different pods could high five. That's, oh, that should be, be that would be what's happening now. It might cause some static. Um, there might be a, maybe like a, a trombone noise. I don't know what that would be, um, but that's essentially what I've just done. It's, it was a cracking pod, by the way. Really, a little bit off the beaten track, and I really thought it was good fun. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, head no over to head over to the cycling podcast if you want to listen to that. Indeed, yeah, it's it's well, you know, we, we need to look after each other in in the in the in the cycling podiverse, uh, for want of a better phrase. Um, the Lizzie, podly, you, pod yeah, family. Yeah, you, you alluded to the fact we didn't allude. You strongly suggested you weren't in the UK. You're in France. So, can you just explain to our to our listeners or describe where in France you are and what you can see immediately around you? Well, actually, I can see right now at the same eye level as me, a plane flying across and into Geneva Airport. So I live just outside Geneva, which is not in France. It's in Switzerland. Um, But the border is the border of Geneva is the border with France. Um, And there's this sort of little triangle of Switzerland where um, I can see out of my my window here. I can see kind of across the little triangle of Switzerland and then straight across to to France and the French Alps. And I can see Mont Blanc from my house uh, and see the glaciers at the moment today actually is beautifully clear and it's amazing because we're about 500 600 meters up and the planes come down into geneva airport and they're just on the same eye level like the same eye line as you and it's really really cool actually um wow. yeah it's great we moved out here because my husband got a job out here um and yeah obviously it's a beautiful place to train um so i'm very much looking forward to <laughs> to getting out onto the mountains when i can um but it's a lovely place really nice place yeah, I've, I've been been to Switzerland on numerous occasions, and it's always it's, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the air quality is insane, and the roads are 
like riding on silk, the nearest you can get to riding on silk, I think. Uh, incredibly well-kept, maintained roads and with a, an exceptionally high grade of tarmacadam. Um, yeah, as well. it's, it is incredibly <laughs> noticeable that the tarmacadam, yes. uh, <laughs> if you want to give it its, its full and formal name, as you cross the border from France into Switzerland, you know, everything goes from being a bit rough and ready to being perfectly smooth. But I have to say, uh, if you're listening, Swiss drivers, just, you know, just chill out, go a bit slower, give us a bit more space. Uh, that would be great. Thank you very much. Public okay, service announcement, big, uh, announcement I'm, over. I'm sure that, that we've got a few listeners from Switzerland who who uh, drive vehicles. Or, I'm sure. Or I'm sure they are exceptional drivers around cyclists. But the rest of the Swiss drivers, if you could just like not tailgate us and drive a bit slower, that would be great. Well, that's <laughs> Thanks not very much. Indeed. Well, no, no. I, th- I think um, um, I'm happy for this pod to be used as, as any sort of platform that encourages <laughs> road safety, um, wherever that may be in the world. Um, now. So, uh, what, what what detritus of life can you see around you in the, in your in your location in the room you're in? Well, I actually have to apologise a bit because I'd set the washing machine to run, and I thought, oh, it's a bit tight to the pod. But it was it said it was going to finish one minute before the pod started. <laughs> now we're I don't know twelve thirteen minutes in, and it's still it's still going on. So I'm really sorry if you can see if you can hear my washing machine. Uh, I've locked my cats out. Um, okay. And what else can I see? We've got, we're living in, um, we're renting a house here and we've got this kind of semi-passive house. So it kind of heats itself. Uh, semi, the, so, sorry, did you just say semi-passive house? Semi-passive, I've yeah. never heard that phrase used. <laughs> That's probably because it is not a real architectural <laughs> phrase. A passive house is a thing, uh, you know, a house that basically retains and holds its own heat. Uh, and the idea of this house is that it was a passive house, but it's not quite fully passive. So we've got... Um, We've got this um, this stove, which is a granule stove, and you can like plug it in, and it just feeds itself in the winter. So, I mean, we've not wow. needed to use heating yet, but yeah. So it's nice, lovely space, open plan space, beautiful double windows, views of the mountains. Um, really nice place to be. It sounds absolutely idyllic. Now, um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, it'd be important to to discuss your frame of mind because I messaged you the other day um, on um, on Twitter. And and you were saying you've you know you've not well it's quite clear from your posts on social media you've had a really difficult couple of years actually going back to that crash in um, in Strada Bianca where you had severe concussion and you haven't raced properly really since then even with your new team mm-hmm. and now um, bring us up to date you've you've got. Um, problem with with, with pericarditis isn't it yeah so i've got pericarditis which is inflammation of the pericardium so the pericardium is is the lining of your heart like the pleura is the lining of your lungs um and it is unfortunately a, a relatively common complication of covid um right and i came down with covid the day before my first race with ef education tipco svb um and so that was yeah pretty pretty awful because I'd spent the whole of last year out recovering from a concussion, recovered by the end of September, beginning of October, worked super hard over the winter to come back was, you know, this January set my best ever 20 minute power numbers. Um, so I was really, I was so looking forward to it. I was recovering better than I'd ever recovered before. All the signs were really good. You know, I felt really fresh physically, really fresh mentally, and was just so excited to be back and looking forward to the first women's tour de France. And it, it just all came crashing down. And I guess like we all, you know, think when we get COVID, you think that you'll be one of the lucky ones and you'll just bounce back. And I was isolated in a hotel room in Spain for a week. And so I wasn't exercising at all, obviously. And then 
um, came home and I got back on the bike and I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe at all. And wow. I think, you know, I mean, when I say I couldn't breathe, I mean, I was soft pedaling. And after 15 minutes, I had to stop because I just, I simply couldn't ride wow. my bike. <clears throat> um, and I think that, yeah, it was, it was difficult because, you know, not really that much is known about COVID yet. Okay, we know a lot more than we did two years ago. Sure. Um, but still, you know, the, the the school of thought was just kind of take it easy and, you know, you've probably got a bit of scarring on your lungs and it'll probably just go. So six, seven weeks it took me to, to until I thought I felt back to normal and I hadn't really trained. I just kind of soft pedaled and, and, you know, gradually increased it to the point that I wasn't getting... Um, you know, difficulty with breathing and all of the other symptoms. Uh, I went back to racing. Um, my first race was Gent-Wevelgem. I mean, it was fine. Obviously I was unfit, but that was expected seeing as I'd had about seven weeks or so off from training. Sure. Day before the second race, I was doing my recon and I felt this horrible tightening in my chest again, just really weird inability to breathe, weird shortness of breath. Um, and then the morning of the second race was a particularly difficult morning because I found out my friend Richard Moore from the cycling podcast had passed away. Yep, of course. A couple yeah. of hours later, I was on the start line for Dvarsdorf Landren. And then I started the race and 25K in, I was just absolutely spat out the back in the car. I was like, never, never happened to me before. You know, I was like, what am I doing here? Really bad chest pain. Um, and it was very difficult actually because in, in that immediate aftermath, it was difficult to know whether that chest pain was from the, the, the previous symptoms of COVID or from the, the grief that I was feeling from losing a friend. Yeah. But over the next sort of week, I would say, it became clear that, you know, before when I'd had chest pain, you know, after COVID, it had, it had gradually got better. And this was just gradually getting worse to the point where on the Sunday after the race, I took myself to A&E because I had pain up my neck, in my shoulder, in my back, down my arm, you know, as if one is having a heart attack. And thankfully I wasn't having a heart attack, but the, uh, the doctors packed me off and just said, oh, well, that's COVID, which wasn't very helpful. Flipping it. So you, you've had a, you, it, well, it's been, it's been grim, isn't it? Let's be honest with you. I don't know. Um, I mean, how... What is the prognosis now? I mean, and I think it's worth mentioning now as well. You, you speak exceptionally eloquently, especially about the, the, the medical side of things, because you were you're medically trained, weren't you? But you, you quit, quit before you, uh, you finished your, your formal medical training to become a professional cyclist. So you do have a medical background, don't you? Yeah, that's right. But I was never, I was never qualified as a doctor. So sure. I, um, I was at university for seven years because I actually did, did, didn't do scientific A-levels. I did arts A-levels, art, music and maths, and then decided I wanted to go and be a doctor. So um, I had a year out, then I uh, did a foundation degree. Then I did uh, four years of my medical course, which is five years long. Yep. Then I took a year out kind of for, for personal reasons at the time, and also just because I needed a break. Yeah. Then I did, I enrolled in a, a public health master's. So when I say I took a year out, I took a year out to do another degree, which is quite a common thing. Um, I started a public health master's and I did half of that. And then I had a, a real year out because my life was just hectic at the time. Okay. Um, I came back, I finished off the public health master's. And at the same time, I restarted my final year of medicine. And this was at the same time that I was um, 
really kind of getting to grips with the UK scene. I won the domestic um, national road race series in the UK. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting an email from my dissertation supervisor in my public health masters and saying, Lizzie, are you okay? I've not heard from you for a really long time. And I said, look, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. I've really not been doing very much, but if it's any consolation, I did win this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just become very, very good at bicycle racing. Yeah. <laughs> no, pretty much. And, and she was amazing. She was so great. But I mean, there's nothing like a bit of pressure when you've got three re- weeks to finish your uh, master's dissertation. Absolutely cracked it out. But yeah, so then I, I had this dilemma. I, I really, really wanted to be a professional cyclist. And I truly believed that I had the physical capability. I just hadn't... I hadn't had the time or money or opportunities or anything in the past to ever have had a crack at professional sport. You know, I never even considered that as a possibility when I was younger, despite being always incredibly competitive and good at sport. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so when I felt that there was this opportunity, even though I didn't have a professional contract, let's just put that out there. I decided yep. to take that decision to leave medical school right. and, I quit. Uh, it was about four months to go until my final examinations um, after it's seven years at university. Let, 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 make no bones <laughs> about it. Whatever your you know, your knowledge of, of the education system and level, I mean, that is an exceptionally big decision to make, isn't it? It's a massive decision. It is. It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, in order to do it, you have to meet with two of the deans of the medical school because they have to really make sure that's what you want to do. And one of them said to me, well, can you make a living as a professional cyclist? And I said, no. I can't, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't go and, you know, earn enough money to support myself. My husband has said he's going to support me and it was going to be tight on just his salary. Um, but then, you know, since since then, there's obviously been such a such a huge shift, you know, such a huge shift in, in women's salaries within sport. I couldn't ever have imagined that yeah. we'd be in the place that we are today. It, it's amazing when, when we... we, we talked about the the shift extensively with with other guests and we can see it obviously we both we both you're you're a pro you've seen it at first hand um and just looking at the scene shift and change but isn't it astonishing that I, I guess now that we're talking this decision that you took to leave your course and pursue a cycling career even though at that point you didn't think you could earn one in, in itself is 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 quite a well a sad indictment on 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 the women's scene even then Let, let's be perfectly honest with you but the the fact that you that the sport has changed at the same time it's, it's more than serendipitous it's obviously it, it should have happened a long long time ago but the, the, the timing I guess for you um, was something that you wouldn't have imagined I guess no absolutely and I think it's an incredible time to have been um, involved in cycling from the time that I first you know first started racing in 2015 to now is I would say the biggest period of change in the in the history of women's cycling. Totally, and yeah. so to be involved in that is amazing. And I didn't, you know, I knew that if I got a professional contract, which I didn't have one when I left my degree, and three weeks after quitting, I actually got my first contract with United Healthcare. Um, and I did, you know, I thought, you know, if I can get to the level that Lizzie Dignan's at, then you know, I'll be able to earn myself a living. Um, <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it is, it is really amazing the change. And so, you know, obviously. Yes, I've I've kind of fought a little bit towards that, but really the people who fought fought to incite that change were way before me. Yeah. Um, so really, I have all those women to thank for the position that I'm in today. And 
And, and what at what point then? So 2015, you decide you're going to do it. You, again, as you mentioned, quite quickly, you were... Uh... No, sorry. 2015 was when I started. 2017 was when I decided to quit medicine and I got a, my first sorry, contract. Right, but you, you were racing and blending the two at the same time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then your first contract was 2018, wasn't it, with United Healthcare? Yeah. Uh, United Healthcare. Was, again, without wanting to talk numbers, was that the first time... No, you... I mean, I'm happy to talk numbers. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've what, said it. what did you earn at that point? Then did you think, okay, this is a stepping stone? And then there was there was change then, 2018, but it still wasn't anywhere near what's happened. I mean, the, the change has been effectively um, this this ridiculously steep curve in the last three or four years, isn't it? Uh, but 2018, yeah. what what did that look like for you? Did that give you hope? Because I, 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 were you earning any money? Because we we hear stories where women are in pro teams and they just there's nothing, there's no money at all. It's just the privilege and in inverted commas of racing for our team. Absolutely. I mean, I would not have been surprised at all if I'd have been offered a zero dollar contract and yeah. I would have I would have snapped it up. Um, yeah. And my contract um, in my, for my first year was $10,000, which at the time was about £6,000. Yep. So the caveat to that was racing in the US, the prize money was actually relatively good. So it was far okay. better than we have over in Europe currently. Yeah. Um, and at that point, prize money was, you know, a way to actually supplement your income in a necessary way to do so. Um, yeah. Whereas now in the Women's World Tour, it's quite, it's quite a different matter um, because generally speaking, the people who get the prize money are the people who are, you know, earning, earning a very good amount of money anyway. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I knew it was going to be a tough few years. And, but, you know, if if you wanted to make it happen, that was the only thing to do. I mean, I, I wanted to do it so desperately. I believed that I was very good at it and that I had the capability. So, I mean, what else do you do? You just have, you have to do it and you have to make it work. And, and so many people said to me, oh, you know, you're leaving medicine. It's such a good career. It's, you know, good salary and whatever, but it just wasn't, just wasn't about that. It just wasn't yeah. about that. Like I, you know, I can't, and people say, oh, you can just go back to medicine. I can't go back to medicine. Once I'd left, that was it. I'd have had to go and do a graduate entry medicine, a four year course. But the point is that I can go back to medicine anytime. If I really want to, I can go back and I can do another four year degree and I can go and be a doctor. Yeah. Once you lose that opportunity to go and be a professional cyclist. It's gone forever, isn't it? It's gone forever. <laughs> you might never yeah. get another contract. You might never be good enough again. You're only getting older. So you have to grab life by the balls and run with it otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it clearly says a lot. I mean, in its simplest terms, that, that, that decision and the fact that, you know, although life is difficult at the moment, um, the fact that you've got you're you're on a big world tour team, you've you've won some very very big races. I mean, it's something you are, although I wouldn't call it living a dream right now. Um, <laughs> you know, let, let's be really really honest. But you, you are you, you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, and and that well, I was very um, going around the houses there. But what, what I'm trying to say is clearly you're an exceptionally driven person who like you, you've got a focus and you take it on, and and also you know doing that spending that amount of time investing in something that much, but then having the the confidence to actually take a different course in life is sets you apart again. So you, you're clearly focused, but actually if something presents itself, there's an opportunity and you think, do you know what? I've got to take this regardless of, of this previous investment. I'm going to go for it. That, I mean, again, that sets you apart, I think. It's interesting and it's a challenge because you said there that, you know, I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve, but I don't think that, is true well okay. it's, it's not true because um well twofold really one one thing is that 
as life changes and as life moves on, your goals shift with yeah. with everything that shifts. And so the better you get, the, you know, <laughs> the bigger your goals get. But also when I first started, you know, I've only actually really had one coach. It was the first year and I kind of had a coach a little bit for the second year. And since then I've coached myself. But first coach I had, he said, um, okay, well, what do you want to do with cycling? And I said, I want to be professional. I want to, uh, go to the Olympics. I want to be a world champion. And at this point I was an amateur, very much an amateur. And he was like, you know, I was talking about the 2020 Olympics at this point. And he was like, okay, well, if you want to do that, then if you think back the year before you need to be kind of European champion level and the year before you need to be this level. And I kind of said, yeah, yeah, I don't see why I can't do do that. And so I guess it's frustrating because I feel like I made such good progress in 2019 and 2020, one, two stages of the Giro. Yeah, that's great. Had some other really great results. Um, but I haven't really, you know, I've definitely not had the performances in world championships that I wanted to for various reasons. Um, and then I was denied the opportunity to even fight for a spot for the Olympics, thanks to the concussion. And then this year sure. it's just gone completely tits up and yeah. And it, it is very difficult because, I mean, I'm, I'm not living the dream at the moment. And there have been so many times in the past two years that I've really thought, like, fuck this. Yeah. Sorry for my language, but like, I'm just going to pack it in. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't want to pack it in. You know, it's... It's a fleeting or a relatively fleeting thought that comes with a very difficult time. And all jobs have very difficult times. And nobody, nobody could have foreseen this, this curveball that COVID sent me. But I think that the, the other side to the injuries, it, the other side to the difficulty of the injuries is what it can actually give you. And yeah. <laughs> bear with me because... <laughs> I'm bearing with you. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> because actually, when I went through the concussion, it was it was awful. It was one of the worst things I've been through. And, and the pericarditis thing has been horrible. But I think, and you know, you always look back on something with rose-tinted glasses, but the, but the concussion was out and out one of the worst things because you you lose your sense of yourself, really. But what I was able to do through that was I was able to do a hell of a lot of research about the condition um, and I was able to tell my story. And one thing that was, it will stick with me really, it was, it was quite amazing. I, I've done a, a number of podcasts actually about concussion and shared my story through my Instagram and things. And um, through, again, late Richard, the late Richard Moore, uh, a friend of his had listened to the podcast and reached out to another friend of theirs who'd had concussion for a very long time. And Richard got in touch with me and asked me to send a, a voice message to his friend with any advice um, for what to do with, about concussion. And okay. I'd completely forgotten about this. And months right. later, completely out of the blue, he got a long message back from his friend's friend, the person with the concussion, who um, had listened to my podcast and listened to my message uh, messages and um, used that to cure themselves of of these debilitating illnesses and debilitating um, features of the concussion that they'd had for years and years. And they sent me a beautiful long message that actually moved me to tears. Right. And I've had so many messages like that from people who were just helpless. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't get answers to these very confusing and and difficult to treat conditions and 
if just one person can be helped through your struggles, then I, I guess it's all worth it. I mean, I'd prefer not to have that, to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's certainly, um, yeah, worth it is, 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 a, is a separate question, I think. But I mean, finding, trying to find a positive from it and, and as you say, turning it around. I mean, are we talking a little bit here about this, uh, this vestibular rehab that there is not a lot of access to or knowledge of, especially, and you've, you've decried, I, I think, well, you have decried, because I've been reading, and I've read some articles uh, a while ago uh, about the, your unhappiness, justified unhappiness with, with the, uh, the, 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 sorry, the concussion protocol, the UCI one, it's, it's okay just on the ground, but following that, there's nothing at all, is there? Riders, athletes, people got to cope with it themselves. Um, so yeah. there's there's a, a hell of a lot of stuff to unpack there, but in particular, what sort what help were you giving people? Was it about getting this rehab that nobody seemed to know about? That was almost like a mystery. Mm. Well, it's it's very multifaceted, really. So there's a number of things. So there's the there's the UCI's concussion protocol in the first place, um, which needs work. But as I understand, um, the doctors that, that, that put, put it forward to the UCI had trouble getting the UCI to accept it anyway. Right. Um, and then there's actually the implication of the of the concussion protocol. You actually have to get people to to do it out on the road and getting people to actually do it is very difficult. And, and my firm belief is that unless you educate people about why you need to do it, what the possible risks are, what happens when people do have a severe concussion or multiple concussions, and they realize the implication of that, then they're not really going to take these thing, things seriously until they actually know what can happen. Because so often with riders that have had concussion, um, they just disappear off the face of the earth because they yeah. can't use their phones, they can't really interact, and they don't want to. They're not in the mental state to do so because of what the concussion does to your well, it, to your mental I mean, well-being yeah just reading it i mean just it, you know you, you talk briefly so i to cut across you there lizzie but it's, it's just important to set it into a context the the difficult the personal difficulties you had the way that it presented itself and manifested in you from what i understand was the fact you couldn't even stand up properly for, for a time you couldn't uh, hold a conversation with somebody for too long some social uh, uh, situations were difficult you couldn't even read a yeah, book all, all so, so, so this is really quite yeah. a serious manifest uh, manifestation isn't it yeah i mean i'll try and wrap it up quickly but i mean my husband was my secretary for two months um going in a car was absolutely awful when i did have to go somewhere i would rest for a few days before i would then use an eye mask so that i wasn't seeing things because the visual stimulation of seeing it would make me feel sick and wow. even months months later when i was much much better i thought i was able to watch a i mean this was probably like four or five months later and i thought okay right i've done a lot of training and rehab and i'm able to watch the uh, i think it was the football football world cup final okay um and it went on for a really long time there was extra time and then there was extra extra time and then there was the <laughs> the penalties and i kind of started to feel a little bit unwell but i thought oh it'll be okay and then the next day i felt awful and the the day after um because of that kind of cumulative effect of watching it for, I don't know, two hours, um, I was just vomiting the following evening because I just felt, I'd oh. felt so sick for such a long time that it had given me vertigo that had lasted for two days. Um, so yeah, I mean, I couldn't really walk down the street. Supermarkets were incredibly overwhelming. Multiple voices and conversations were incredibly overwhelming overwhelming because you completely lose that ability to focus in on the the sound that is important and put everything else into the background um, when you were trying to read words just scrambled themselves and it was just very difficult and sickening 
Um, and yeah, it had a huge impact on, on your mental well-being as well. Um, and it was very, very difficult. And um, I'm sure many people will be aware of the tragic death of Kelly Catlin, who took her own life. Yep. Yep. And um, her parents, you know, firmly believe that it was due to her concussion um, and and are now, you know, very big advocates for, for raising awareness for, for around concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Well, it's um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we've I'm glad we've we've talked about it. it. It is a subject we could we could talk for several podcasts on quite clearly. But what? How are it, how are you now in terms of oh, the, is it uh, is the concussion is that completely and utterly behind you now? Yeah, completely. Yeah, good. I mean, I was I was kind of signed off in October. I think first of October uh, last year. And then it just took a little bit of time to kind of do everything again, because I guess you're kind of concerned if it's the first time you do, I don't know, a huge event or it's the first time you do whatever you kind of think, am, am I going to be okay? But yeah, no, I've been, I've been absolutely fine and um, had no problems and I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't ever notice it now in day-to-day -day life. Um, like I can't say that. In fact, I, I, in fact, there are so many situations which I would say I was actually better than before. So you were talking earlier, Matt, you were saying, how did I actually help people? But um, there are, again, a number of different kind of therapies and rehabilitation methods because there are a number of different systems that get uh, damaged or knocked down, let's say, when you have a concussion. Sure. Um, but vestibular ocular, vestibular ocular therapy is probably the one of the main ones. So that's kind of retraining the balance system in your ears um, and retraining how your eyes track and focus on things because one of the first things to go with concussion um, is the synchronized tracking of your eyes. So if you can right. imagine if, if one eye is tracking, if you, if you hold your head still facing forward and you put your thumb out and you put it to, I don't know, 25 degrees to the left of you and then you bring it across you and tw then go 25 degrees to the right and you track it with your eyes. If one eye is tracking that thumb at a different rate to the other eye, then that's gonna make you feel unwell. The other thing is that the smoothness of the tracking is affected. So instead right. of it just going across your yeah. eyes, it'll go yeah. like duh, 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 duh. Okay. Um, and that can then also affect, you know, the feelings of, of sickness, of, um, of vertigo and things like that. But that, I mean, that's just one, that's just one feature. There are so, so many other things that need, need work, but, um, but it's just raising awareness of this. It's raising yeah. awareness of the problems that it can cause, how you can fix it, the fact that you can actually fix it. All of these things can be retrained. And I'm a firm believer that for a, a standard concussion, as opposed to a more, you know, and let's not forget a concussion is a brain injury. It is a traumatic brain injury, but let's say a, a, a concussion as opposed to a more complex traumatic brain injury. I'm a mm. firm believer that these things can get back to normal because it's just yeah. about retraining those systems and rehabilitating, the, rehabilitating those systems and not just um, getting your skill up to a certain level, but also creating a depth of endurance in those levels. That means that you don't um, ever get vertigo or car sickness or whatever. And I don't get car sick anymore. Like I used to get car sick all the time. And now I trained my vestibular system to such a high level that I just, I so rarely get car sick. So actually we could all do with doing a bit of vestibular training as uh, as prophylaxis for concussion indeed well it's it's you know that you clearly i mean you have clearly quite clearly 
taken in a lot. I mean, it's it's one of the things that I think most of us at any point in our lives, if we if we pick up an illness or we, we have a particular injury, I mean, generally speaking, especially with the internet now, although it can be a little bit of a dangerous thing um, in, in many ways, uh, there's so much open source information, you can actually educate yourself. And, and it, when there's something, and, and just with the very nature of our sport, it, it, we are on a knife edge a lot of the time, aren't we? It's, um, it is a dangerous sport, you can't deny it. And people hit their heads and there's a lot more research out there, but there still maybe isn't enough being done. And, I, and I'm so glad that you speak so openly and so freely and so generously about it. And I hope you continue to do that because um, hopefully it, will, it won't take away what happened on that particular year, but it may be trying, depending on the kind of um, person you are, it will maybe try and unpack the reasons the reason that it happened that potential or give yeah. you do, do you know what I mean I mean I don't, I, I'm I don't not, believe I'm not, I'm not stuff, a firm but. believer in the, that there are reasons that things happening the reasons that things happen but I am a believer that you know you can do totally. good things out of a bad situation oh, no, exactly. that, that's, and that, I've already that, that, seen totally. you know I've already seen a culture change since when I crashed till now and I don't you know you don't know if that's attributed to the fact that you've been shouting about it but I think that partly it is because I know that a lot of the girls in the peloton have seen what I've been through and what others have been through and then you start talking about it and then people People think, oh yeah, actually, you know, when I did have this concussion and I had all these things that did weren't quite right or whatever, and you know, now quite often I know the same with Ian Boswell in the men's peloton. He'll get yeah. in touch with riders if they've had a head hit, and I'll get in touch with female riders. And and you know, we saw Marlon Royser. She won stage four of the was it stage four I think of the Tour de France fam. Yeah, have been stage five. Um, and then the day after, she smashed her head against the tarmac and had quite a big concussion. And I was in touch with her and just said, you know, she said, oh, you know, I, I had a headache and then I went and then I started doing something again and I went again and I just said, like, look, do not do anything in this first two week period. That is the time that your chance, your brain has a chance to recover. So in yeah. that initial period, you have to just stop, just stare at the ceiling. Don't use your phone, don't use your TV, don't use the laptop, just rest and wait until you are actually better. Because if you, if you utilize that two weeks properly, then the chance of having any long lasting symptoms just drops so staggeringly. And there's good evidence, there's good medical evidence out there but we need to get this across to teams and we need to have proper education for the teams, the riders, the staff members, the family members, everybody. So anybody can kind of spot these warning signs. Well, well I've uh, just in this, in this court now, we've been talking about this particular, this, this subject, this really important subject. I, you know, I, I have learned a hell of a lot and I, I've crashed on several occasions and one particular occasion I knew that I had pretty bad concussion and um, I was like three or four days in bed, but I, I got the, the right advice from the hospital. They said, no stimulus whatsoever go to bed, even if you think you're physically feeling okay, and just rest and just do absolutely nothing. And um, I did, you know, I felt pretty groggy for a few days, but, and it was a pretty hard hit. I basically, um, it was when I was racing for Sigma Sports in the Rutland Melton um, um, back in 2005, went over the bars, my helmet split into, I think it was 16 pieces, and we actually sent it off to Specialized oh to, to analyze. Um, and... Yeah, I was in a bad way, but um, within a week, week and a half, I was absolutely fine. But I, you know, I got the right advice at the time, and, and I knew also deep down, I was like, "This, I just do not feel right." And it was, it was a little bit, it was quite scary actually. So, I've, you know, nothing near what you've experienced, but um, I got the right advice on that particular occasion. No, that and that's really critical, and it's that there's that right advice for that first 
period initially after the concussion and then if it gets to kind of two weeks and you're still experiencing symptoms then you need to start doing rehabilitation because these things perhaps aren't really going to improve on their own or maybe not going to get back to where they should have been on their own so but yeah I'm, I'm glad that you had good advice because unfortunately it's not that it's, common. It, it seems to be rare doesn't it it seems to be rare. I'm sure whoever's listening to this will have picked up a, a heck of a lot. I think, Lizzie, if you don't mind, we're going to change tact ever so slightly. We're going to keep it focused on the mind, okay, (laughs) Um, because we've got a bit of a quiz coming up. Now, you are from Malvern, aren't you? Yes, I am. It's time, Lizzie Banks, for the Malvern quiz. Yo, yo, what's up? You're ready? Let's do it. Caveat Caveat in a second. (laughs) That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? Time burner. More than quiz. Well, do you want to get... First and foremost, another round of applause, I think, for (laughs) Niall's jingle. Um, Excellent jingle. I'm sorry for ruining it. (laughs) That's not not at all. Um, What was your caveat before we, we kick off the quiz? Oh, sorry, there's just a tractor going past. Um, so my caveat is that I did grow up in Malvern, but I feel now like I'm from Sheffield because I've just moved away from Sheffield. But I lived there for 12 years and it was very much my home and where my heart was. And my heart is definitely in Sheffield, not in Malvern anymore. Sorry, Malvern. Okay. Um, well, well so I'll tell you what, if, if Malvern is listening, and you know what, we, I, I have, we've got um, a lot of back-end data that suggests strongly that Malvern regularly listens to this uh, quiz. <laughs> um uh, Malvern, just brace yourself. Um, I think Lizzie still loves you, but not as much as I Sheffield. I do love you, but okay. Sheffield's really That's good. That's all right. Well, Lizzie, you'll be pleased to know, though, that the the quiz that we have, um, that I've assembled, is multiple choice, okay? So there's nothing that's going to be overly difficult. And if it is, just go go random. Um, you know, the other room. thing is, Matt, when you asked me where I was from, I said, mm. and you said, is it Malvern? And I said, yes, and I didn't, and you said that we were doing a quiz, and I didn't say Sheffield, because I knew that a Sheffield quiz would be harder, because there's so much more to say about Sheffield than there is about Malvern. <laughs> Again, there, sorry, Malvern. No, I'm, I'm just reminded, <laughs> Malvern is listening. Oh, I'm sorry, Malvern. God. Yeah, but Sheffield's also listening. This is, this is probably the most awkward um, quiz we've ever had um i'm gonna have to send you're gonna need to send malvin some freebies you know and i'm gonna have to um probably i don't know transfer some money i don't know um right okay (laughs) okay are you ready though for question number one yeah ready as i'll ever be okay i'm just actually my handwriting is absolutely atrocious um I've, I've write all the quizzes in my little moleskin in block capitals because my joined up writing does exist, but it looks like somebody else has just, you know, come into the house, grabbed a pen, scribbled on it and legged it. Um, so block capitals it is, although they are very, very wonky. Um, here we go. Right. Question one. Malvern has previously been known as in the 11th century, Melferna. Um, in the 12th century, uh, Malvern, and, and more recently, uh, between the 16th and 17th centuries, Al Malvern. But my question to you, Lizzie, what does Malvern mean in ancient British? Bear okay. Hill. Is, is that you? Because you might, you're going to get a bonus point for this, but I'm going to take a point away if it's wrong. So you're going to go with that? Uh, it's like, maybe it's Bald Hill. Bald Hill. Or it's like Bald Hill or Bear Hill. Okay. It's um, Molbrin Brin or something. This this is too much knowledge, but you are correct. It is indeed Bald Hill, and you get a bonus yes! point for outwitting the... Well, you basically... Oh, wait, what was the multiple choice? It was multiple uh, choice, well, wasn't well, it? I'll go through it, because I think we should, because I did take a, a lot of time this morning pulling this quiz together. Um, and obviously, the rest of it's completely and utterly I've, made, I've up. made it up to Malvern for it's, not it's even needing the multiple choice. A, a Shining Hill, 
B, High Hill. C, oh. Bold Hill, which you got correct. And D, Wise Hill. Hmm. So well done. So you, you're off to a rate. You're off to a roaring start again. I, I like to use the breakaway analogy. You're in a break uh, on your own, but you've got four minutes on the peloton, and it's a tailwind all the way to the finish. Oh, I'm right. gonna win. <laughs> so you're all right. Okay. Right. Um, right. Question two: Which opening scene from a famous book was inspired by the author seeing a lamppost shining out through the snow one oh, evening? Language in the wardrobe. Back? You've done it again, haven't you? You've done it again. You've got two, two. <laughs> You didn't even finish the question. Do I get two bonus points? No, no, because I'm, I'm actually going to run out of points, spare points to give away. So, oh God, I'm going to still read them. So uh, was, it, was, it, was it A, His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman? Was it B, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling? Was it C, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is correct, by C.S. Lewis? Or was it D? I quite like this one. Was it Watership Down? But because Kerbal from oh, there Richard are a Adams. lot of rabbits on the hills, but they didn't have exactly. Any I thought the Watership Down one might have got Thrown you a, a little bit vexed, but oh. it, you've basically hold on a no moment. You've got four out of two, which is the first time <laughs> it's ever happened. You know what? Um, it's been such a long time since I won something that I'm just going like full gas. You are full gas. Just though. Make sure you don't blow halfway, though, okay, Lizzie. Okay. Uh, oh, we halfway. Be- okay, right. You, you better. It's, it's four questions. Actually, it's five questions because with, with the way we've manipulated it this time. So, um, three. Question number three: What is the oldest pub in Malvern? Oh, I think I know this. Wait, should I go? Should I wait or should I go? Well, I'm, 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 if you think you know it, I mean, this could be the biggest quiz hall of all time. In, I think I in, know it, but I'm not sure, history. so I want you to go through them. I'll go through them. Okay. Is it? So the, what is the oldest pub I in think, I th- Wait, I'm going to say, I think it might be the Nag's Head. And if not, I think it might be the Red Lion. But um, I'm going to let you go through them. Okay. Is it A, the Nag's Head? <laughs> is it B, the Bluebell Inn, which is also very old? Is it C, the retired soldier, which is a cracking name Doesn't for exist a pub? In Mal- or is Malvern, it D, the unicorn inn? Mm, I'm pretty sure it's the nag's head, but I'm pretty sure it's the nag's head. Lizzie Banks, it's the unicorn inn. No! Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Morgan. Oh, well, at least I've still got four out of three. You've still got... Incredibly, uh, I mean, this this defies the laws of quizzes. You've still got four out of three. <laughs> so, uh, and we've got two questions left. Uh, one of which um, is is, is uh, well, it's a relatively new part of the quiz. But anyway, question on to question four. So you're still doing well, but I must say, the the bunch behind Lizzie has started to get a bit organised. Mm, all right, so they're they're actually they've taken back a minute. Uh, you've got that three and a half minute gap now. Um, you did have the four minute 30 gap uh, at its maximum. Right, so question four. Which US president, age seven at the time, famously visited Malvern with his parents? Okay. I have no idea. So, um, hold on, a I've got to make sure it's the right one that I've written down as well. Sorry, I didn't put a tick next to it. Got, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at them, I thought, I don't know the answer. Then, uh, okay, I've got it. So, which US president, age seven at the time, famously visited Malvern with his parents? And there's actually a blue plaque on a building. Uh, I can't remember the building, but uh, saying that he had convalescence here because obviously Malvern is a spa town and they went to mm-hmm. just have a relaxing weekend or week. Okay, so was it A, Franklin D. Roosevelt, B, Gerald Ford, C, John F. Kennedy, 
or D, the other Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt? I think the first Roosevelt. You going with that? Yeah. It's correct. Well done. Yes! Oh, man. <laughs> Five out of four. Five out of four. That I mean, okay, I've got, got to, I've got to make it to the finish now. I mean, whatever happens, it's going to be a it's going to be a sprint because it's either going to be six out of five or five out of five. Yeah, it's going to be. It could or be seven a photo if I finish. Get it before the. You are still. I mean, that that competitive streak. I mean, I can. Although I can't see. Oh. You know, remind people at home. Uh, this pod is proper analog pod, so it's just audio. There's no visual element at all. But even though I can't see Lizzie, and I'm just looking at her pro cycling stats profile right now, <laughs> uh, smiling there with her hands behind her back, all formal and um, like normal, um, I, you're, you're on the drops, aren't you? You're on the drops, right forward on the saddle, giving it the beans. Right, so five out of four. Come on. Um, and the final question, we're gonna need to Hold get- Hold on, uh, I'm just gonna take another gel. Oh, actually, you take do take another gel because this is going to be quite. There's quite a lot of work involved in this one. But what I need you to do as well, which I should have done at the top of the show as part of the housekeeping exercise I normally do, is do you have a pen and paper handy? Oh no! One moment. If you could just find something to um, write with. Is this a, is this a maths maths quiz? It's not maths. It's not maths. Okay, I'm quite good at maths, so that's a shame. Right, but I think we quite like it. So we're going to use. So basically, the words, the word "great Mulvan." Yeah. Okay. I want you, Lizzie Banks, to try and get as many words as you can out of that in thirty seconds. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start. We need the clock to start, like on the telly, but this is a pod version of the telly. So Niall, can we have a clock, please? It starts three. Here we go. Thirty seconds. As many letters as you words as you can from "great Mulvan." So there's there's great there's there's Mulvan. Um, oh there's... wait, am I saying them out loud? No, no, you don't need to. No, so this is me commentating. Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> I'll be quiet. I think we're over halfway now. Coming towards the end. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, Lizzie Banks. Um, oh, I'll God, have to ask the... I haven't had enough time, Matt. I know that's the thing. It's a pressure situation, and okay. there is no. So I think you're going to be okay. And Do you know that Boggle no, is one of my favourite games of all time? Uh, what? Sorry. Oh my gosh, Boggle. Boggle. Oh yes, I do. I've I've, I've played Boggle a few times. It's a cracking game. Um, whilst after a couple of sherries and a couple of Baileys, it's even funnier. Um, so um, how many were? How many? Do you want to just read out the words? And, we're, and, yeah, and Niall. One, two, three, four, five, Niall six, is also. Eight, nine, we got, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen. That's amazing. So. Well, I would have got um, a lot more if I'd had more time. But it's thirty but seconds. It, it's just the pressure part, you see. Um, so can you just list those words, please? Uh, eat, mean, mat, man, mat. Great meat, large lava, valve, gant, as in gant chart, greet, great, and van. I don't think I could have beaten that. Um, I was going to say. I don't think eight. you could have either. No, I'm, no. I'm very good at boggle. <laughs> the way you, without hesitation, said, I know you couldn't have beaten me either. No, the you thing couldn't. Is, Ask my husband. Is, you no, could, I, nobody can beat me at boggle. No, I, I normally what I've done in the last couple of episodes is because Holly, my wife, is exceptionally good at words and very good at boggle. And oh, we should have she, a boggle. She she normally has been setting the benchmark, but she's been quite busy this morning. But thirteen. Oh. Uh, so how many points now should we should we give Lizzie for that? Because she's already beaten the quiz. Oh, is it like one Five? for getting over ten, and then another one because 
of the one three. for getting over ten. How many people get over ten, Matt? Nobody actually. Uh, she's got she's got eighteen out of five possible points. Oh yes. Is that what you've given her? Eighteen yeah. out of five. Oh. oh my god. Oh my god. I'm I mean, so good at this. Okay. Can I come well, back I next week. You can. You can come back. Um, it, maybe we should. Maybe every week we should oh, every send week. you. Yeah, I'll just come for this bit, and they can you be. Could... Can you beat Lizzie Banks? <laughs> can you beat Lizzie Banks? <laughs> I mean, no I is it. the answer. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, well, Lizzie, let's have another row. Eighteen. Well, there we go. That's it's the final scores have been totted up. Uh, our um, our producer said eighteen out of five. It's a it's a new world record. Thanks very much. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Well, when we do um, <laughs> set the pod live in the next few weeks, um, that I think is going to be the over the overarching uh, theme. Um, witness Lizzie Banks break uh, the world record of Matt Stevens Unplugged podcast quiz. Um, um, yeah, scores. So it's actually thrown me off my off my stride. I, th- I think we might. I think we could we could easily end the pod there, um, but but we're not going to. Uh, what I'd like I'd like to ask you. Um, I'd f- first, I'd like to uh, ask you to. Look, look, look back a little bit um, to those, actually to the victories. I, I, I love hearing riders um, not just talk about other things in their life, but describing big wins because um, it takes us back into a moment. And it might be a little bit cheesy, but it, that's when you set out as a bike race, you want to turn pro. You want to, you want to win bike races, and you've won um, some big bike races. You've been up there in, in, in lots of others as well. So, can you just describe what it was like um, as to what actually happened? Um, for your first ever stage win in the Jura back in 2019? Because I'd like to hear it blow by blow, if you don't mind. Well, it's quite nice, actually, because I'm sitting here and I've got both my uh, my two Astoria bottles kind of equidistant oh, brilliant. in, different, in okay. different parts of the living room. And it's, it's just a nice little thing to, to have as a memory because on that, that first Jura d'Italia, which was in 2019, um, and that year was a huge revelation for me. I mean, in June in the women's tour, I remember going for a ride with my friend in Sheffield before and saying, you know, I don't even think I'm going to be able to finish some of these stages they're so long they're so hard um and then i think we came out of it i can't remember if it was seventh and eighth on gc or eighth and ninth um you were, you were seventh okay thanks matt that's all right. <laughs> great great just you know knowledge off the top of your head there um <laughs> and it was it was just amazing i think that that race that women's tour was a huge revelation and that gave me a lot of confidence going into the giro but i went in fully you know completely in a in a supportive role of our team leader Cecilia Ludwig and that first day we had um, a team time trial and it was so so hot I remember I'd gone over to Italy from the UK it had been about eight nine degrees in the UK in July before I left and I knew it was going to be 40 degrees when I got there and I was riding around with as many clothes on as I could to kind of try and acclimatize to the heat or you know get a bit of heat adaptation but you just can't do that when you're breathing in cold air so we went over there and I think we got there about five days before and we were doing a recon for the TTT and I almost collapsed because I was so hot. We'd stopped in this little village, you know, a third of the way through um, and I had to sit on the floor and get the swannies to kind of pour ice water over me because I was so, so hot. So I was so nervous um, about, you know, being able to perform at all. And that first TTT, we came second and it was a huge surprise. Um, None of us thought that we'd achieve that. Um, and yeah, it was great really. And then actually the, the Giro didn't go as we wanted in terms of the, the GC. Um, but I think it was stage eight, wasn't it? Um, I was, I was so knackered that day. 
I remember seeing our photographer in the morning and he said, how are you? And I said, I'm, I'm so tired. Like I can't, I can barely walk. I can't open my eyes. This was the longest race I'd done by such a long way. The hardest race I'd been working so hard, like pulling on the front, getting bottles, like, you know, you know, kind of, yeah, helping everybody as much as I could, um, and leaving everything out on the road. Um, and I just had nothing left. I had nothing left. The race started and I felt like hell. I was at the back. I think I was in the last three riders in the peloton and I just thought I was going to get dropped. Um, I went back to the car to get some caffeine. Didn't make any difference. Went back for some ice. I thought like maybe I'm too hot. Didn't make any difference. I was just in a world of pain. And my teammate Leah Thomas had gone in the breakaway um, and I didn't I couldn't even understand how anybody would be able to get in the breakaway I know I felt so bad like how is it possible that someone can even get in the breakaway it got to about halfway in the stage and the bunch was just beginning to catch the breakaway and my legs just started to turn around a little bit which was good because we were hitting one of the first of two big climbs of the day we hit that climb and I don't know, something switched in my legs. Like everything just finally turned on. I'm a bit of a slow burner anyway, but that day I was like seriously slow. And then I was climbing and I realized actually I was at the front of the bunch and things were okay. And then we came over this mountain and there was a bit of a plateau before the next one. And some went away in the break and then some tried to bridge over and then Soraya Paladin tried to bridge over. So I just jumped on her wheel and she basically took me across to this break. And then I got across there and then it was me and my teammate, Leah Thomas and a number of other riders, Ruth Winder notably, who were strong enough to get over the climb. So we knew we might be able to get that gap, but we had climbers like Amanda Spratt, Ashley Mumpasio in the group behind, Anamique, of course. Um, And so we had to push so, so hard to get over this second second climb with a gap to the bunch behind, but we did it. We got over um, and we were like, right, we've got to make this work. We were the only team with two riders in the bunch. And it got to about 20k to go and my and our director said to us you have to start attacking now i want to see one of you at the front and one of you at the back and you just have to keep going and we kept attacking i must have attacked like five six seven times kept coming back and then there was this this moment when everybody was absolutely and that is the moment that you've got to go and i just went from the back i think it was about 12 kilometers to the finish immediately i got the gap And you know that you just know that moment when you go and then there's no response because nobody can do anything. It's one of the sweetest, it's one of the sweetest moments in cycling, apart from the victory, that moment, you know, you, I know it's a, it's quite an awful word, but elite sport at the very cutting edge is is brutal. It, it, there's, you, you, when you break somebody in, in a bike race, that it's, it's it's quite a little bit of a sadist thing to say, but that's it's it's a beautiful moment, isn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest with you. But that wasn't the end. That wasn't the end. Soraya Paladin was in this break and the the finishing town, Maniago, was one of the finishing town of the sponsors of the team that she was in, which was LABTC Libriana at the time. Oh, yeah. So there was huge pressure for her to take this stage and the finish was perfect for her. It was, it was quite a flat run in, um, a cobbled section and a sprint. And I only ever got a gap of about 20 seconds. It never really went out for more to more than that. And it was just hanging there the whole time and they could see me the whole time. And the oh, only gosh. reason I won that stage is because of my teammate, Leah Thomas behind. She covered, I don't know, 30 attacks every single time. Someone attacked, she went. Someone attacked, Brilliant. she went. Every single, 
every single movement they just like literally sniffed and she was on it and so nobody could get away um and then in the end the gap went out a little bit more and i won solo and i just simply didn't believe it until i was across the finish line and then leia god knows how she did it but she won the brunch sprint so it was just the most it was just the most amazing, most unexpected thing. And the best thing, one of the best things of all, actually, I didn't know, but a friend from home from Sheffield University Cycling Club happened to be there. So she, the day before, she just decided to fly out. Just, and just, go ran, into, just randomly? <laughs> randomly. The That's day before, amazing. she decided, right, I just want to go into the Giro d'Italia. So she was going to fly out to Italy. She came out to this spot and she was waiting on the course a few kilometres from the finish. And it kind of then went in a loop. And she was like, oh, there's somebody, you know, she didn't have social media to see who was there she said oh there's somebody there oh I think it might be Lizzie oh my god it's Lizzie and then she saw it was me she legged it from where she was on the course to the finish line and she made it just just before I got there and so I crossed the finish line and I saw her and it was just the most wonderful thing um that, that is very oh that's well, that's a love that's a lovely story that's yeah it's really nice story. and 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 enormously important for you as, as well um but it, it is it, yeah it's yeah I mean, and, and you went on to win uh another stage in the Giro the, the following year as well. But just mm. looking at your results around this time, because the year of that victory in 2019, just looking at you were knocking on the, on the door that you were so, so consistent, especially in stage races, weren't you? And single day races. It was almost if that result was going to come. But when results come in unexpected circumstances, um, it's even it's quite often even better, isn't it, when it comes as such a surprise. But when when you step away and look at it in context, it's like, yeah, I was... I was clearly in good shape. I was just tired, especially doing the team role. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, there was no intention for either of us to, you know, for any of us to go in a break or go for the win that day. I think we all kind of thought it was a Mariana Voss stage and it was in stark contrast to the win I had in the Giro in 2020 because the the stage that I won in 2020, I, I went into it saying, you know, before the stage, I said, Marlon, Royce or I can win today, but it can yeah. only be one of us. Like we're the only two out of this team that will make it and we have to go between 80 and 100 kilometers to go. Sure. Um, and so that was very different because I knew that I knew that we could do it and I knew exactly how we can do it, how we could do it. Whereas the first stage that I won in 2019, I mean, it was just like, yeah. it was, I just found myself in this situation that I never expected to be in suddenly off the front of a bike race. Like, absolutely turning myself inside out screams from the director i mean i would never have made it to the finish without him and without my teammate of course but um no it's amazing they were so they were so different um but yeah both quite the same actually <laughs> yeah and just i'm just looking at the this your second stage win and i think this is one of the things i don't know if you, if you how much you reflect on victories especially over the last couple of years you know you've hardly raced for the reasons you've explained in detail and 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 I do hope that you get back to it. I know you've got a two so a, a couple of years contract. I really, <laughs> really hope. Silly thing to say, really, but it's just wishing you all the best in a in a you know a speedy return to the sport that you love, that you've sacrificed a lot for, but you you clearly believe in yourself. But I think when when I've run I've run the Sigma Sports team in the past, I've, I've, I used this anecdote before, but I think I'll use that again because it's important is when riders are going through difficult patches, whether it's injury, just a lack of belief, for example, generally speaking, um, there are moments that you can just look to in your own career and just pull out. Remember the moments where you were 
were flying. You know, mm. that, that class never dies. Form ebbs and flows, class, is, class never dies. And when you look at the, the people that you beat on that day, going into it knowing you could win it, and you did, Buzak second, Anamit Van Bluten third, Elisa Longo-Borghini fourth, Cassia Nuiadoma fourth, um, Leanne Lippert sixth, um, Cecilia Trutlug did seventh, Ashley Moore ninth, Marianne Voss tenth. You just got to look at that thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a good bike rider. And it will come back. That's what no, you've got to do. Do you no, know what I mean? It's, it's, a- it's funny. I, I've never, I've never <laughs> lost that belief, though. No. I mean, I again last year, I, I kind of, I knew that I would probably always recover, and I didn't know how long. And again, with this stupid bloody pericarditis, I know yeah. that it will go away, but I yeah. don't know when. And I'm so, so much better than I was. Um, That's so, so good to hear. But yeah. it, it, it is a disease that can recur and I just yeah. I mean I was speaking to someone the other day who's had it for 18 months and I, I really really hope that that's not going to be me and it recurred for him when he had COVID a second time and you know I at the end of the day you know I've not broken my leg I've not done anything that's going to stop me physiologically I mean I guess yeah physiologically at the moment it's it's my heart but I'm still the same person like nothing's changed I still have the same physical attributes and physical physical abilities and the same mental attitude and if anything my mental attitude is even stronger after what I've been through the past couple of years and I'm even more determined sure. it's just simply a fact that at the moment I am unable to exercise and I think it's yeah. a challenge actually because people might be surprised to hear that actually I could I did a lot more exercise last year during my concussion than I have done this year I mean this year I've been completely off the bike completely like not not even walking you know because i couldn't do anything that raised my heart rate as soon wow. as i felt a bit better if i did anything that raised my heart rate i i felt a lot worse again so um yeah it's a challenge but i mean there are there are millions and millions of people dealing with the fallout from covid and not not getting help you know um and i'm actually incredibly lucky to to have help um and to be getting treatment so I don't know. It, it sometimes seems little consolation to say it like that, but but at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of people who can't work, and I'm I'm still being supported, and yeah. I am getting better, and that is the main thing. Well, it, it's it's a, it is a it's, a it's clearly been a long slog, and might it's going to be a, a, a slog for a little bit longer. But I was just when I was listening to your um, um, service course podcast earlier, um, the subject of art came up, and it's something that I've that obviously. You know, did it at school and stuff, but it's never been part of my life. And during lockdown, um, as a lot of people know, because I've bang, I'm bang on about it quite a lot actually. I, I got into it, and not I don't paint myself, but I, I'm learning a lot about art and go to a lot of galleries now, and I, I collect. And it's interesting that you um, that it's something that is very important to you. Has that in any way been a little bit of an escape for you as well? Do you how much does how much is art? involved in your life because i've found although I'm, I'm not racing anymore I, I just keep fit but i've found it just immensely satisfying one of the most satisfying things that i've been into in my entire life actually and it's just been for the last couple of years but how, how much of an important part um of your life is is the is the art world well it's interesting actually i i love art um <laughs> so many different you know all forms of art actually um but i don't really have that much to do with it Okay. Um, I I guess I do make things and I am a creative person and I actually, you know, looking around, there's a huge painting of mine on the wall over there in the living room. Oh, right. Um, okay. You'll have to send us a photo of that. <laughs> it's not very good. Um, <laughs> I'll just send you a picture of one that somebody else has done. Um, 
<laughs> Isn't that a bit like Monet's? No, it's fine. Um, but uh, no, I, I love art and I love being surrounded by art and I would love to have a, a studio in the future if money and time and space allowed me to. Um, and I guess I do I do other creative things at the moment because I guess I don't really have the, well, I say I don't have the, the space or the resources for art. What do you need? You just need a pencil. But I'm not very good. I'm not very good <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> but I do other things. I sew. I love sewing. Um, make clothes. Um, you know, make simple things like curtains. Um, and I find a really great, you know, kind of creative outlet in that. Um, made my husband a really nice hoodie that you know it's just it's just great because you can choose your fabric you can put it wherever you want and you know if it's a bit wacky who cares um yeah, yeah I don't know I love art and I, it's so important and I love to be surrounded by it but I I don't really paint or do anything like that myself at the moment and uh, I think I need to go on some courses but I'm not very good but actually my secret passion even though well, it's not really passion yet my secret um my secret, oh, I don't know how to say this. What The, the thing so that I've, I really want to be when I grow up okay. is, a, is a carpenter. Right. I desperately, desperately want to be a carpenter. I want to make furniture. I want to make beautiful things out of wood. I absolutely love wood. Um, and I would love to be able to just craft my own things and do steam bending and, um, oh yeah, we've got this steam bent. Oh, I say I don't do stuff. Uh, we've got this steam bent wreath that I made myself. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love wood, but again, it's it's about having the tools and the time. And I've wanted yeah. to enrol in a kind of uh, in a carpentry course for a long time, but it always demands you know six months of your time and stuff. And simply as a bike rider, you're just you're just not there, or you're injured. Um, Some, something. I mean, it's definitely something for for the future, though, isn't it? I mean, like no, I say, absolutely. When you, I mean, when, when I you retire, grow up, I, I, I do. When love, I grow up, yeah. I do love that phrase. When I grow up, and you're what you're 32. I like I like that. I, excuse I like excuse the fact, me, Matt. I'm 31. Thank 31. You very much. Sorry. Oh my god. I mean, <laughs> points on my quiz for that right so, so let's tot it up the points were uh, 20 out 20 out of five <laughs> um for for lizzie back so, sorry lizzie um yeah you've you've it's um it's all it's exciting though isn't it i mean like i say i, I packed up my packed up my wheels a long long time ago but um life has has, has never been so exciting doing things that you you wanted to do for a long time do but, you um, do you paint map now then i don't Matt? I, I, and if I don't, so, what I don't, do you paint I don't paint. I just, I just, um, I should do. Um, my, my wife paints, but I've, I've never really because I was really bad at art at school. Mm, um, me too. I, I scared myself a little bit, so I think I'm quite a creative person. But I, I think creative. But were through, we bad, or were, or was our art just not to others' tastes? I, I, I think, I think you might be right. I think I, let me, my art was. I think there was naively. I think it was abstract forward slash naive art. Um, so I hmm. think there might be some call for that now. Uh, maybe I maybe should, we should get together it. and um, make some just, really bad art together. Yeah, for like the outlier art, or for people that because I'm just not confident that my art is very good. But then, then the best artists say paintings or, or art is for everybody, and that's the, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, it's um, it, it, whatever you paint or do or draw is there's no right or wrong, is there? It's just taste driven, I guess. But as long uh, as it's all bad, it's just your style. <laughs> maybe yeah maybe I, if, if i just set out to make bad art what can go wrong um, what and then if exactly. it turns out I mean, and if it turns out to be you good don't art, be pleasantly surprised it's a bonus it's a bonus <laughs> well, uh, we we have we have trundled over the the threshold um a little bit but it's been a wonderful chat but we oh hold on a minute 
Oh no. Random Sorry. question alert. <sighs> Random question alert. Random I thought we were gonna get away with it. Alert. It is time Spanish for lady. question. Oh, actually, Niall has just sent me a message, actually, that said, is is a podcast art? And I think I'd say yes. I think the yeah. uh, I think podcast can, art. Can, can be a spoken art. I, I guess that's where my art is, I guess, in, in words. You know, poetry. I want to be a poet. You'd, you you could be a woodworking. You could be a poet. Uh, the, oh, I then could you, carve you, my poetry you, into you the whittle, mm. you're, a, you're a poem whittler. Mm. Blimey. Yeah, so then what? If I make a bed and I've just got poetry carved into the side of the bed... Be, if you can't sleep, you just sit and, you know... You just read it. Read around the bed. Flipping egg. I mean, there was a moment of silence there where we both contemplated how magnificent that could be. And you can do the... You can, you know, paint the headboard in your okay. really bad art. I don't, know, I, think, I, I don't think I'd get that wrong if it was just a block colours, but... Um, no, it doesn't have to be block colour. You can do whatever you want, Matt. It's okay, a canvas. Just, just, okay. Well, let's... I tell you what, let's... Let's um let's 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 have a zoom in a couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> let's, okay. let's let's hammer this out. But meanwhile, um, as you may or may not know, as part of my deal with Sigma Sports, they've installed an old uh, 19, late in the mid mid to late nineteen sixties supercomputer in my office. And every now and again during a podcast, it randomly kicks out a question that I have no knowledge um, or no previous knowledge of. And um, to wrap up this uh, wonderful podcast. Um, I've really had a good laugh, actually. It's well, and it's been <laughs> immensely. Because yeah. I'm sorry, Matt, because the last two years of my life have been a bit depressing. So it's well, quite miraculous you've, that you've, you managed to have a good laugh about it. No, I, again, uh, I'll uh, add another another couple of points on. It's 22 points out of five. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And that, although the first part of the podcast was 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 quite was pretty Very serious, depressing. wasn't it? Sorry, but, everybody. Um, it, don't no need to apologise. <laughs> I think it was a subject that. It's an important to be subject. About. It yeah, is ma- yeah. massively enormous, but I, I've had um, that aside. I've 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 had I've had a blast. I'm anyway. actually just delaying the random question alert because I'm enjoying the podcast so much that I want to carry on talking to you about. You, you, you want know, to carry on podding? Our bad art. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it, I mean, we, the pod will go on for a fair bit longer because it's a very long question. Okay. <laughs> so, excellent. So here Tell we go. Tell me about your life. Um, this is completely random, um, and it goes as follows: On your way home from abroad, running late for your flight. You arrive at the airport to realise that you've forgotten your passport. After a few moments, while the mild panic and adrenaline settles, an eavesdropping Lizzie Banks doppelganger offers you the use of her spare passport. However, there's a 75% chance the security guards won't be able to tell the difference. Do you accept the passport and take the risk? So there's an, an eavesdropping Lizzie Banks doppelganger um, who's basically, obviously, I'd imagine, got the same. She's born in Malvern, same date of birth, looks like you, bizarrely, uh, and it means you can get your flight back. Um, using I wouldn't a, do it. Use, you wouldn't do it using a false passport. You wouldn't do it. No, I, I'm too much of a stickler for rules. I'm afraid. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll break a rule if it's you know like somebody else's field, and I'm going to hunt for a mushroom. Or, um, and it says don't go in this field, but I can see a really nice mushroom, so I just want to go and get the mushroom. But <laughs> that's such a random analogy. Uh, I, I just thought there's lots of other quite simple ways you could say you know, breaking <laughs> rules, but a singular mushroom in somebody else's field is probably. Yeah, but it's, it's um, like the most beautiful sep you've ever seen. There's no maggots. It's okay. just sitting there. It's like I got a beam of sunlight lighting it, so it just looks, you know, it's so. 
Oh, it's so enticing. You can't not go and pick, pick this mushroom. I tell you what, when we when I paint this headboard with the poetry on it for this future project that is yet to... <laughs> was yeah, Seth in the middle I'm, of it. I'm, I'm going to paint, I'm just going to paint a mushroom in a field <laughs> with some light hitting it. Um, that's going to be my design. So, yeah, so you, you've not no, wanted to break... Yeah. Well, yeah, so the thing is, I'm not really a rule breaker. Um, maybe I'm a rule bender. Uh, I'm, a, I'm like a mild anarchist, I'd say. Um, I like to create chaos within the realm of the rules, generally. Yeah, so as long as nobody gets hurt, um, yeah. let's have a little bit of fun with the rules. I'm, yeah. I'm similar. Cause but I, cause when, I, when, when you know that like, the chance of prison is quite high, I would say no. Um, but if it's that, just that, like yeah. you might get shot by somebody with a rifle, then whatever, go for it. Well, I think, I mean, going back to the question that, that sparked off um, this separate little podlet that seems to have sprung from the back end of the pod, almost like a little mushroom of a pod, yeah. <laughs> actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you like probably, if you got found, found out, you might get prosecuted harshly. Um, for well, misuse for passport, you would definitely go to jail. Yeah, you, you possibly, yeah, and it would it wouldn't be a civil offence. I mean, having it would been be a, on your you criminal know, record, and would it would be, be a really. It would, I'd get kicked off my team, and I'd lose my job, and it would just be a real pain in the ass. It's, Whereas, it's like, I'm probably not gonna lose my job for picking a really beautiful mushroom. Even if the farmer made a complaint, I don't. I, I don't think anybody's going to be too fussed, are they? No. Um, or, or the landowner doesn't need to be a farmer. It just could be a landowner, couldn't it? Or the or the or it could be just a big garden. Um, I did. I did once. Oh, actually, no. I'm not going to tell you this because maybe I could get sued for that. <laughs> oh, you can indeed. We'll just we, we'll just get Noel to lob it off the end. Okay. On, no. Lizzie Banks, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the pod. Thank you for being so honest, expansive, and fun. Expansive? Yeah. Does that, does that mean I've put on a lot of weight? No, you're just very expansive. <laughs> and, and also, your quiz knowledge was ridiculous. It was, was actually borderline, borderline almost, I don't know, it was almost showing off. It's almost it too was, good. It I'm good. actually pretty annoyed good. I didn't get the unicorn. Well... At least, but well, I think it's because the Nags Head is just like a really good pub, whereas the Unicorn is not a very good pub. But the Nags Head is actually a pretty old pub. Yeah, the Unicorn not been funny. I mean, it's it's got me because I was looking at the reviews. It's, it's not, not good. It's no, not it's not right. good. Sorry, Malvin. Oh God, Malvin is going to be so upset. But Lizzie Banks, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much, Matt. Awesome stuff. It's hard not to be blown away by Liz's energy, enthusiasm, grit, and fucking swearing. And I really hope her recovery continues and she can get back to enjoying her bike as soon as possible. <laughs> thanks to Perry App Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, follow, and rate the pod, and maybe give it a little review if you feel like it. And want to recommend it to some Swiss drivers who might drive on Liz's local roads. You know, just a friendly nudge. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, please do. Our email address is podcast at sigmasports.com or you can leave a message or a voice note on our WhatsApp number on our burner phone, which is plus four four seven 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 eight three two three two six eight. Um I've said that quite a few times now. And it's quite it's got a nice little kind of rhythm to it. I might sing it next time, actually. Uh, and finally, a massive thanks again to Lizzie for joining us on the podcast today. We wish her all the best with her wild swimming, return to cycling, and continued media career. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>